This week, uh, we, as the, the summer holidays have started, have seen somebody else um, getting able to, to have a rest and uh, visiting Lord's Cricket Ground. We've had a change of Prime Minister. And with that change, with that change of the person at the top there, there's been almost a complete change of cabinet and quite a few policy announcements. Statements about police numbers, fibre broadband, high-speed rail across the Pennines. I wonder if you were to become the resident of number 10, whether those would be the top of your agenda. Would those be the things? Maybe you'd have a different priority on your mind. The reading in 2 Samuel 7 comes at a pivotal point in the history of David's kingship. David, who ruled the United Kingdom of Israel and Judah, had triumphed over the Jebusites that uh, had held the city of Jerusalem for so long. And with that, there had been a completion of the entry into the Promised Land. Now, it had been 400 years since Joshua had led the people across the Jordan. 400 years that they'd been there, but Jerusalem had always been separate. It had always been distant. But now, the king was in his castle in the holy city. It seemed that all the challenging work was complete. There wasn't really anybody left to fight. So what should he do? What next plan of work? What would he put on his schedule? What was going to be his purpose now? And his purpose was going to be to praise God. To give glory to God. And he thought, what other way can I do it? But to build a mighty temple. I have this place to live. I have this city to dwell in. And the Ark of the Covenant, God's law, was still in a tent. Now, of course, I love tents. I think tents are great. Others might disagree. (laughs) And that was what David was thinking. He was thinking, we want a permanent home. We'll build a temple worthy of God. A place for God to dwell for God to be present. But no sooner had he told the prophet Nathan this 
But Nathan came back to him and said, that's not what God wants. You might have formed your ideas, but that's not what God wants. Mayors, presidents, prime ministers, kings might come up with great ideas but they're not always what God wants that's true of us too isn't it as individuals and as churches we might come up with a plan and it might sound great But just because it sounds good to the ear, just because it would make us happy, just because it leads to our delight, doesn't mean to say it's God's plan. It might be what the majority want. It might be what everyone wants. That doesn't make it right in God's plan. And the will of God must be discerned. And some will listen to the Lord's guidance. Some will not. But what we find at this point is that David had listened. He'd had great plans. But Nathan said, no, the Lord says don't do this. And what we have is this prayer. The king knew he would not proceed. And I wonder if many modern day politicians would do the same. Announce a great scheme one day and accept the very next day that that was not what they were going to do because it was not what God wanted. What about us? When we think we are right, but then hear from God, we must change our path. And it is with a real humility in this face of a cancelled dream that David praise to God it's with this understanding that his kingship is not really anything compared to the sovereign Lord that David bows the knee and so The prayer begins. But it doesn't begin with David speaking. It tells us David sat before the Lord. Now, of course, David does all sorts of things before the Lord at different times. As we go through the Psalms, we see him dancing and jumping about, and all such things are valid in worship. 
We come and we delight in God in different ways. Sometimes we kneel. Sometimes we might lie prostrate before him. But this is not particularly saying, right, he found a seat and he sat. It says he waited on the Lord. That's what it's telling us. He didn't immediately go, right, I'm going to pray, and the first word comes out his mouth. There's a sense here that he sat before the Lord. There's a stillness there. And we don't know how long. It may be a very brief instant. It may have been longer. But he lets the Spirit move the right words from his lips. And those words that he begins speaking are not of his great kingship, not of the mighty plans he has, not about being ruler of all. All of the Israelites. Instead, he speaks of his frailty, his mortality. David, knowing he is king, also knows he is not supreme. Ten, maybe eleven times, David declares himself not king, but a servant. And he pronounces seven times in our passage that the Lord is sovereign. He gets that relationship right at the start, throughout the prayer, all the way to the end. That God is the one who rules. He is the one that reigns. He bows down before the true king. And we also witness that the topic that had been paramount to David, that idea of building a mighty house for God to dwell in, that physical temple, that is nowhere in sight. It's the subject matter is completely struck away from David's thoughts. Yes, there's lots of mentions of house, but that's of the household of David. That is where God dwells among the people. That is going to be how things move forward through the king's reign. How often, I wonder, do we dwell on what could have been, what might have been? What would be different if we had our way? But yet here, David, in his prayer, forgets about that element and wants to seek God's will in his life.
And the prayer sort of comes in three parts. And they sort of relate to three different time frames. Three different statements about God in a timely perspective. And David, as he gives this humble adoration, thinks about that relationship that he has with God right now. Who am I? He says. Who am I that I've experienced such blessings? That I can become king? That I can be in this place? Who am I? It's this sense of who am I in this relationship with God now? We, uh, we might hear a, a slight echo in these words um, of another prayer of David. Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? Who are we? That's where we can start our prayers at times. Who are we? And who is God that he thinks of us? The second frame is a thanksgiving for what God has done in the past. God keeps his promises, leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into Canaan. That story of God's constant presence, his constant love for his people. Not how these sections are not just a paragraph and a completely disconnected paragraph. They're pieced together. They're interwoven. They're, they're they have like uh, the, the studs on a Lego brick. You know, they clip in there and hold together tightly. They're, they're strongly connected. And then into the third section, the third element. As David starts to turn his thoughts to the future, remembering that God is unchanging, That God has kept his promise in the past and therefore will keep his promise in the future. That he's been a blessing to Abraham and to the children of Abraham. And now there's a promise to David and to the house of David, the family of David. Something that and prophet Nathan had told him something that he knows is God's will. And he asked for an anointing of God to be on the sons of David. And of course, we see that realized in the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. So these three steps brought in humility, 
that thinks of our current position, the past providence, and the seeking of God's will form a a flexible framework for prayer. And it's a framework that, that David uses a number of times. Not always in the same order, but piecing that together. Thinking of his relationship with God. He thinks of what is, what was, what is to come. I wonder if when we pray we do the same. Do we remember the blessings God has given us? The prayers answered in the past and continue to give thanks for them. And do we sometimes move swiftly from praise to petitions? The people of God continually give thanks for that story of that leading out, don't they? That story of leading of Moses at the front and the people going following the fiery cloudy pillar out of Egypt towards Canaan. And they keep giving thanks, and they keep giving thanks. When we give thanks, it's not just a once thing. It's not just a thank you. God has done something amazing for us, and we keep giving thanks too. We'll give thanks later as we Remember what God has done for us in giving of his son. And it's right that we do this, that we give thanks. But we can give thanks continually for the other blessings in our life too. Sometimes we forget to do that. Sometimes we we don't really realise what those things are that we need to give thanks for. We sometimes forget about it. But when we reflect on goodness of God and those answered prayers, it gives us encouragement and it increases our joy in the Lord and that in turn increases our strength to be faithful people of prayer. So it's right to remember what those things are that we need to be thankful for. One way that we can remember, you know, is by writing things down. It saves us keeping it up here, doesn't it? You know, so I do recommend you think if you don't already do it about keeping a prayer journal it doesn't need to be a a fully written out version of the prayer that you've made but keep along with your bible a, a notebook or a diary something that you can jot something down in where each day you put a note on the topics or the concerns that have been on your heart And then every now and again, look back through 
and you will find prayers that have been answered. And you can rejoice in them. And there'll be other topics that you'll see there. And it will prompt you to keep praying in a persistent manner. And even if those prayers that we made some time ago have not been answered in the way that we expected, the way that we'd hoped, we might still see something of how God has had his hand upon those places, upon those people, upon those situations that we had lain before the Lord. And it's right that we give thanks. You can therefore use this as a model of prayer. As David did. Now, I don't know. I doubt it, actually. In praying for the generations to come, that David had any understanding of what that prayer he was saying for his house would be. Any understanding of the son of David that would come, who would be king of kings. Any understanding of a king that would be of his royal line, that would win not simply a victory over an invading enemy, a human army, but a victory over the evil one. But as he prayed that his house would be blessed forever, we can see that that has taken place. Because it's not just David's house that is blessed, but we are too. So may we rejoice in that prayer answered. May we give thanks for what God has done. And may we seek to move forward, not with our priorities, but seeking what the Lord has in mind for each one of us this day and each day. Amen.